Welcome to Archiving AK, a podcast of the Archives and Special Collections at the UAA APU Consortium Library in Anchorage, Alaska. We're here to talk about what we do, what our researchers are up to, and to give you a closer look at the world of archives. Hello, this is Veronica with Archiving AK. Today I'm with Ian Hartman, UAA History Professor. Ian, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I'm an associate professor of history. I've been here in Alaska for going on eight years. I've, uh, I've most recently done a, a co-edited book on the history of Anchorage. I'm working on a longer uh, manuscript on the history of African Americans in Alaska and the greater Pacific Northwest, mm-hmm. which I think is probably what we'll talk about a little bit today, so I won't say too much more. Yeah. Tell us about the Alaska research projects you've been working on. Well, there's there's been a couple. So the the first one, like I said, was this book that I uh, that I co-edited, that included 21 chapters and uh, covered a span of history from um, you know, indigenous, even what what's, what is sometimes uh, referred to as pre-colonial era Anchorage, mm-hmm. South Central Alaska, before there even was an Anchorage. Uh, then then a few people did chapters on. The uh, settlement of Anchorage, and then of course right through the modern era. I did a chapter on uh, civil rights in Alaska. It was supposed to just be a one-off chapter, and we had so much stuff that uh, I'm now writing a book on the topic. Mm-hmm. And so it's 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 the research for it is just about done. Although I'm always doing a little bit more, mm-hmm. but the archives here have been particularly uh, critical to the project. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk a little bit more about the civil rights in Alaska aspect? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I was surprised because I, I think when a lot of people think about uh, you know the, the history of, of uh, particularly black civil rights and black history, they don't always think of Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turns out, there's actually a, a whole lot written on the topic, particularly because of the role that the military has played in the state, mm-hmm. um, in addition to, to some industries like commercial fishing. And even to go way back before that, uh, you get into whaling. Mm-hmm. And so the whaling industry has been historically this exceedingly diverse sector of the economy and, and I mean it had kind of fallen out of uh, out of prominence after the discovery of oil in the 1860s and 70s but there still was a lot of whaling going on and so a lot of uh, a lot of African Americans and free people in, in the American South and even before that fugitive slaves um, who had fled would end up in the whaling industry and there's this big shift that takes place in the about the 1870s and 80s from the Atlantic to the Pacific. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, even, even a little bit before that, maybe even in the previous decades. So Alaska, it turns out, is this hotbed of whaling. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of interesting folks who kind of make their way up here. And so that's the initial presence. But then, you know, it moves on from there. And so by the time we get into the 20th century, you see Alaska kind of emerging into this um, diverse place that we know it as today. What is the most interesting or coolest thing you have found while doing your archival research? Oh, that's a great question. So the best thing that I think is here, for my purposes, obviously, there's all <laughs> kinds of great collections. Yeah. Uh, but uh, um, George Harper, who was a, something of a local historian and who had, had uh, put together a, uh, a series of records on blacks in Alaska is what it's called. And then he has his, his own papers. But, um, but it's just staggering the amount of material that he's been able to locate over the years. And he's no longer with us now. But uh, I think he did most of his research back in the 90s. And he put together what is uh, probably the best that I found, the best um, single uh, archive of 
records on the history of African Americans in Alaska. And so I've been using that very um, deeply over the last, I guess, two or three years, kind of off and on. I've had a couple of different researchers on the uh, on the job, and and that's that's a um, that's a collection that I I think is for me at least has been right at the kind of heart of my research. Is there something from that collection that you found that really sticks with you Hmm. or that has helped you a lot in your research? Yeah. Uh, So part of this project has been a, been putting together a series of what I call biographical sketches, Mm -hmm. which are just short, you know, 500 word, if that, um, biographies of, of specific individuals. And what George Harper had done over the years was collect all kinds of information on specific people. Mm-hmm. And so in the collection, as you know, there's a couple boxes that are actually just individuals, and there's everything from notable news stories about them to obituaries to photography to um, people that they may have met or they would have encountered. And so that part of the collection is, is really quite wonderful. In addition to that, though, there's also, there. I mean, there's photography in there. There are these moments in time, for example, when... Uh, when Governor Egan signs into uh, signs into law the Human Rights Commission uh, and puts Willard Bowman, a, a famous Alaskan, mm-hmm. as a head of the commission, there's a whole number of documents related to that in the collection. You guys also have, of course, Willard Bowman's papers, which mm-hmm. are another kind of wonderful uh, collection. So there's there's a lot to work. With. It's hard for me to say one thing, but right. uh, but the, I'd say I can I can narrow it down to one collection. But one thing within that collection is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. What do you find most difficult about working in archives? find most difficult about working in archives? Uh, I'd say the thing that I find most difficult is the thing that I also like about working in archives, which is you don't necessarily know what you're going to find. Sometimes you just have to, no offense, but bug the archivists (laughs) (laughs) and have them them keep coming out with a bunch of different boxes, knowing that maybe you may have to send back that box uh, in in a half hour or an hour later and having not found anything, and then you go on to the next thing. So Mm -hmm. I think that's fun, but but yeah, it can also, it's it's trial and error, that's all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have some researchers that apologize for <laughs> asking us to uh, grab more boxes. Yeah. <laughs> and we just have to tell them don't apologize. Yeah. That's what we do. You guys should have big, strong arms from all the heavy <laughs> lifting you're doing, right? Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and what is the most surprising thing about doing work in archives? Yeah, I'd say I'd say that the answer is similar. I mean, you, you, mm-hmm. you truly don't know what you're going to find. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can give you examples from... From my research, well, I'll give you one that's that's somewhat topical. In that same uh, Harper collection, uh, you know, you can find all kinds of interesting historical nuggets. And, and one of which I found was a picture of people doing blackface mm-hmm. in Alaska. In, uh, in I think in Cordova, there was a minstrel show in the early, I guess, the first uh, 19, 19 teens or 20s, first mm-hmm. couple decades of the 20th century, whenever it would have been. And, and you know, you have these bracing moments when you come across something that, that you aren't necessarily expecting to find. And when, you know, as, as an historian of race and popular culture and everything, you know, I, I'm familiar with minstrelsy and I don't necessarily think of Alaska as a place where one would find it. But nonetheless, there you go, right in the archives, you mm-hmm. find evidence of uh, those types of popular expressions that are you know, deeply rooted in racism mm-hmm. uh, right here. And, you know, of course, as we think today in the news with everything that's going on in Virginia, um, as it turns out, you know, Alaska had some of that history, too. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we um, did a little searching on Alaska's digital archives for a blackface mm-hmm. recently to see what we could find, and we have a couple collections. Yeah, oh wow. Uh, yeah, one I think is from the early 1900s, mm-hmm. and it's just a group of people and blackface, and I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if it was part right. of a minstrel show or not. It was but... probably a modified yeah. version of it or something to that effect, sure. Yeah, and then there's one of a child at a Halloween party in the 30s. Oh, wow. At, um, I think it was Independence Mine. Interesting. Which is interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. A, yeah. And so, I mean, you, you never know what you're going to find mm-hmm. when you start to get into those boxes and get into those old pictures. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, and so, again, I mean, I think this idea that Alaska stands apart and is so different from every place else, the archives also give us a chance mm-hmm. to maybe connect with the broader history of this nation. Sometimes that history is worth celebrating, but sometimes it's not. Exactly. Yeah. So you've kind of already answered this, but what do you like most about archival research? Uh, well, I, I can. There's a couple ways I can mm-hmm. answer this. I think the the thing I like most about it again is this idea of finding the unexpected. Mm-hmm. But but beyond that, and and I um, I teach a, several different classes at the university in the history department, and what I oftentimes tell my students is that you know the world isn't always available just through a Google search. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the things that we really need to remember and what makes the archive such an incredibly special place is that um, this is this is the world beyond a Google search. And, and a lot of the things that you find in, in this archive and other archives are things that you just simply can't find online. I mean, these are records that, that have not been digitized or don't exist somewhere else. And, and you know, maybe, frankly, some, some of the things that land in the archives, maybe people don't want to exist uh, online or mm-hmm. don't want to have exist online. And so... It's this whole um, it's this whole way of, of getting at the past and, and making arguments about our history and understanding our history that uh, transcend the most surface level uh, understanding of the world around us, which is just jumping online and, and seeing it, what we can find in, in a Google search. Too often, I think we assume we understand things just because of the internet, but the archives are a good reminder that there's a lot more to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you get started in the in your research with African American history in Alaska? Yeah, uh, so again, it goes it goes all the way back to 2015, which seems like a long time ago. <laughs> at this point, it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 2015 was the centennial mm-hmm. of Anchorage, and and as a part of that, um, we had uh, we put, we put together this book, uh, Jim Barnett. And I, uh, with again twenty plus contributors, and I was doing a one-off chapter on civil rights in Alaska, and it was truly supposed to be just kind of a one-off chapter. But because of the findings in the archives, and because of what my uh, research associate at the time, David Reamer, uh, located, we decided that we had a lot more, and that to, to to do justice to the topic, we needed to do more than just a single chapter. And so we've been kind of building and building on the project off and on for the last um, three years. So when you have your history students do projects that involve archival material, what kinds of things do you tell them about it? Uh, well, a lot of what I, what I tell them is that I, well, for one thing, the first goal is to get them to the library. Mm-hmm. And then if I can actually get them to the archives, then I'm like really happy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll start with that. Um, but, but my uh, upper division courses, I teach a research seminar and that involves, and even the upper division courses involve a a, um, a paper that ha- that is supposed to have original primary source based research. Uh, and what I always tell them is that that a true historian, somebody who again is is an expert in his or her craft, 
has to build uh, has to build the paper around a good primary source base, and uh, and you you can't do that just by going on your computer. You have to get to the archives. You mm-hmm. have to get to the library, and and a failure to do that is what I would. I would argue is is professional malpractice in our discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually impossible for you to claim that you are a credible professional historian if you have not done research in, uh, you know, I mean, it may be possible to 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 do it in a non-traditional archive of some form or another, mm-hmm. but uh, but for the most part, you've got to get a hold of a good primary source base, and the archives offer uh, the the most kind of straightforward path to finding mm-hmm. a good primary source base. Mm-hmm. And you start them at what level course is that? Uh, it's I, usually a history four four ninety or four seventy. I don't remember actually right. what the, the, the course listing is. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, but you know, again, I so I teach the research seminar. I teach mm-hmm. classes on modern American history, mm-hmm. um, and what the archives here are particularly good for is Alaska specific topics. I, I don't teach the Alaska history course, although mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I suppose I, I I may in the future. Who knows? But, uh, but I'm always encouraging students to do an Alaska-themed uh, project. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, sometimes there's a little bit of hesitancy to that because I think a lot of students maybe grow up here and they want to try to do mm-hmm. something. So I don't actually make them, right. although I'm thinking more and more like maybe I should just so they're you know, <laughs> using some of these wonderful collections here. Yeah, it's interesting. So we do get outside researchers who are grad students and they've never worked in an archives before. Yeah. And they've never done research in an archive. So you're in PhD candidates, and we're having to sit there and talk them through archival research. And I always find that kind of surprising. Mm-hmm. So I think that they should get it earlier in their schooling. Yeah, yeah, I would yeah. agree. Yeah, and, and we make, I, I think, some effort to do that, although it is going to depend on the nature of the class. And so mm-hmm. with our departmental offerings, I think the archives lend itself, obviously, here, lend themselves most to, again, an Alaska-themed mm-hmm. topic. Um, but I, I kind of start from the baseline of let's get them in the library. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's see if we can get them into the archive from mm-hmm. there. It's sort of like, you know, you move from going online to like, a, again, just a Google search of like Wikipedia or something like that to then right. saying, okay, what's the next step? The next step is let's actually log into the consortium library and see mm-hmm. what databases they have online. We can do that in the classroom. Yeah. Then let's say, let's take a trip over to the library mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and see, you know, in, in a sense of what is actually in, in the physical space of the library. Mm-hmm. And then that sort of third, fourth order is to then get them into the archive. Because again, that is, that's, that's truly what it is that historians do. Right. And, and I think that's the that's the order. And, and I think a lot of students are maybe intimidated by it. Oh, yeah. You know? and, uh, and, and I get that. You know, I, I mean, I, I certainly remember mm-hmm. the first time going into an archive where, you know, I was asking a lot of questions and trying to figure things out. And, and to this day, I still probably touch things I shouldn't touch and, <laughs> you, know, <laughs> able to, you know, be reminded and everything. Just but, keep everything know. in order. Yeah, and keep everything fine. in order. And, you will make us angry. And, and use the, you know, use the, the, use the bookmarks the, and everything else. Cards. <laughs> exactly space space makers and everything but um mm-hmm. uh but yeah so i mean i i agree with you though i think uh i think undergraduate training has to involve again mm-hmm. the archives and so you know is it a question of um uh, how do they develop that primary source base i think i think the archives are a component of of, of the broader mm-hmm. of the broader question yeah. and i feel in regard i might be kind of biased because i do work here but i think alaska especially the University of Alaska, is lucky that we have the ar- two archives at, in Fairbanks and Anchorage that are affiliated with the university. 
And we have such a sense of Alaska history collections. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of schools out there that don't have this. Oh, I and agree. don't have archives with, at their institutions, or they're just university records. Yeah. Uh, I, I, would, I would second that. I think that, that the, the, one of the very true treasures of this library is, is our special collections and our mm-hmm. archives. Um, and, and, you know, again, just as, is a, is an example of that is the collection that I'm using. I mean, I, I will end up writing this book and this book will not have been possible without these archives. Uh, and so I'm not, um, yeah, I, I understand this book may or may not change the world, but nonetheless, yeah. I mean, that is a, I mean, that, that's a story that needs to be told. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there are hundreds of stories that need to be told that mm-hmm. are going to be coming straight out of this archive. And if this archive wasn't here, those stories, those stories just couldn't be told. Mm-hmm. At least couldn't be told the same way, couldn't be told as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I think, you know, this is the, the benefit of, of an archive is, is the benefit of, of our history. If we don't have these repositories, we have no way of accessing our history. Exactly. And, and, and that to me is, so says the historian. I mean, that's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It would be an absolute tragedy. So, I mean, the, the archives are, uh, I mean, central not only to the mission of this university, but central to the mission of the community and central mm-hmm. to the mission of the state. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Slightly <laughs> so, biased. So says the archivist of the historian, right? <laughs> exactly. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so, you're also a member of Alaska Historical Society? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm president of the Cook and the Historical Society, okay, and I'm, I'm on the board of the Alaska Historical Society. So I, I've got my, my fingers and toes in a couple of different mm-hmm. organizations right now. Probably more than I should. I should probably, you know, <laughs> focus on, on, on what, what delivers my paycheck. But, right. uh, but nonetheless, it's important for historians and, and uh, people in the university, I think, to be involved in, in these state institutions because mm-hmm. they're really important. Do you want to talk a little bit about the differences between like the Cook Inlet Historical Society versus the Alaska Historical Society? Yeah, that's a yeah, that's a really good question. Um, the the Cook Inlet Historical Society is uh, our mission is more on uh, South Central Alaska and in the Cook Inlet region, although we we also do things on a statewide level but our uh, our key if you want to call it like our flagship event is a speaker series mm-hmm. and so each of these historical societies usually have something different that they do mm-hmm. um, for their community and I, and I thank you for asking that question because it gives me a chance to talk about a little bit about what each of these do and yeah. so the Cook Inlet Historical Society uh, we, we deliver and we organize a lecture series and that lecture series meets on the third Thursday of every month through uh, September through May and then we usually take a little hiatus so that we may have like a get together in the summer sometimes mm-hmm. um, and we're also affiliated with the museum mm-hmm. I think one of the things that, that, that people maybe don't know about the Cook Inlet Historical Society is that we were um, were in the mission of the museum. So the museum goes back to the 1950s, and if you look at the founding documents of the museum, you find the historical society. I mean, we are a part of that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's it's a little bit of a plug for those of you who are uh, members of the historical society, you are also, you get free entry into the museum. I mean, like we are part of this. Of, of, yeah. I mean, I can't repeat that enough. Uh, so that's the Cook Inlet Historical Society. I mean, that's our, our big mission is to be affiliated with the museum, but to also deliver the speaker series. The Alaska Historical Society is statewide, and and their big contribution is uh, is the journal. 
And so the, uh, the, the Journal on Alaska History is run through the Alaska Historical Society. The Alaska Historical Society also organizes a yearly conference um, all over the state. This year it was in Nome. Next year it's going to be in Kodiak. Um, and it was in Anchorage two or three years before that. You know, I mean, it, it meets usually in October. Um, uh, both are fairly fairly big. I mean, considering the state. I mean, you know, we don't live in a in, in a state with a lot of people, and so my my sense is that both historical societies probably um, have similar members. I mean, I'm a member of both, and right. I think there's probably a lot of people who overlap. But uh, I guess I'd say that while they're both historical societies, they both do separate things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I mean, the Cook and the Historical Society will never host a conference necessarily. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I mean, we do the speaker series. The Alaska Historical Society will host the journal. I mean, it may not do a speaker series, but um, it has, a again, a slightly broader mission, but kind of geared more mm-hmm. towards um, written history as opposed right. to, again, a lecture. And as far as collections, so mm-hmm. we are the repository for any collections donated to the Alaska Historical Society. And is that the same for the Cook Inlet Historical Society with the museum? Do they... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes, you can go to the museum archives and find all of the records of the Cookland Historical Society right up to and including the minutes from probably last month. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I guess I, sh- I yeah. should I should be careful what I say. Our um, uh, our secretary who who takes the minutes, Bruce Parham, who was who was a former archivist here in the mm-hmm. state, who probably knows more about Alaskan collections than anybody. Bruce is just yeah. an incredible figure and <laughs> just is. amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he he's in charge of really, I think, cultivating that collection, and he he's the consummate professional. Yeah, that's great. Do you want to talk a little bit more about your current project? A little bit more ins and outs, or yeah. So I, I mean, it's. Uh, it's grant funded uh, is a part of the uh, National Park Service and, and their support of us of a civil rights initiative and their attempt, I think, to just have more more inclusive histories. Mm-hmm. And so um, the the National Park Service has generously provided some some funding for the project. And so right now I'm I'm doing an historical context for them on on African American history. Um, and and it goes again all the way back. So you know, divided up into chapters. It begins with the whaling industry, then it goes mm-hmm. through to the gold rush, mm-hmm. uh, and some of the first, uh, and this is in the Harper Collection too, you can find images of, uh, of the Company L, as they were known, mm-hmm. a group of what used to be known as the Buffalo Soldiers who came up to Alaska and worked in Skagway to keep order during the peak of the uh, Klondike gold rush in mm-hmm. the late 1890s, early 1900s. Um, and then it goes into the it goes into the interior where we uh, talk a little bit about Fairbanks, the creation of Anchorage and the railroad. Um, then it moves into the Depression years, um, and then World War II is really what I what I consider to be the most I think important event in the in the last hundred plus years for Alaska's history. Mm-hmm. World War II completely reshapes um, the economy of the state, the demographics of the state. Um, yeah, I guess you could get into an argument about oil. You know, maybe right. oil changes the state of Alaska as much as the um, the military in, in, in the world war in the world wars, but specifically World War Two. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, but yeah. So, anyways, beyond that, we go into the nineteen fifties, and and once I get into the nineteen fifties and sixties, that's where the collections here become really critical. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you can find all kinds of good stuff on the history of Anchorage and the history of kind of community formation in Anchorage. 
And so um, I'm dipping into the archives really heavily here to get um, to do my work on those probably two or two, at least two and probably three chapters mm -hmm. where I'm uh, I'm looking at, again, kind of the civil rights movement. I'm looking at um, racism and discrimination in the community that you can find evidence of in these records. Right. Um, I'm looking again at um, the, the commission, the, the creation of the Civil Rights Commission and and it. it Ends the the story ends in right around the beginning of, of uh, the twenty first century, mm -hmm. where you start to see this real excuse me proliferation of diversity in the city mm -hmm. of Anchorage. You know the Anchorage we know today mm -hmm. is kind of a product of the of the nineteen nineties and early two thousands, uh, and so you know that's a lot of history. I mean, yeah. it, it covers from about the eighteen forties and fifties mm -hmm. with whaling right through the uh, beginning of the twenty first century, mm -hmm. and. Uh, and the archives here have been uh, have been central for some of the back half of that. I've, I've done some archival work in New Bedford, Massachusetts, at the Whaling Museum. I've done some research up in uh, in Fairbanks at, um, at their collections. I've done some research, some oral histories with the History Makers, which mm -hmm. is a new collection that um, that the university is hosting. Uh, I've done some research in, not much, but there's a few records at the University of Washington, particularly on the gold rush, although I, mm -hmm. I haven't, I, I've been down there, but I haven't done too much with those records. Done some archival work um, through the city. Mm -hmm. Dave, David Reamer has done some really excellent work at the recorder's office. And so, you know, again, what you see is to actually do this history, you've got to get into the archives mm -hmm. and, and, uh, and and if you don't do that, then there would be there would be no way of telling the story. Right, and all the different archives that might have materials that relate to. Yeah, yeah, and and if you're talking about you know doing it right it, it, at this level for Alaska, you're talking about getting into university archives like the one we've ones we've got here. You're talking about uh, federal archives and records. You're talking about city archives. Mm -hmm. uh, you're talking about archives at the museum, mm -hmm. and that's again that's just for the the local stuff. And then right. if you want to make kind of a broader national claim. You know, you may need to go to other institutions or campuses uh, in the lower 48 that may have random collections here or there. Um, one woman, just as an example of this, that I'm increasingly interested in, Mahalia Ashley Dickerson, who was, uh, people may know, is a uh, very notable lawyer in town, passed away several years ago now, but um, was a homesteader in the valley. Um, she came up from, from the American South and came up through you know, Indiana, then I think Oregon, and came up into Alaska in the 1950s or 60s. Um, but her records are actually Duke University. Okay. I don't know what her affiliation is with Duke University. So I don't think there is any as far as I'm concerned. But, uh, but that's an example of somebody who is this incredible Alaskan figure. But, you know, to get her records, you've got to go to Duke. It would be really wonderful if we could get some, some, some scans of those and try to mm -hmm. bring them up here some, some way or somehow. Yeah, I know the dean of the library has been working yeah. with some East Coast, um, as I think the New Bedford Whaling Museum, actually, um, to digitize some of their stuff to put it online. Yeah, yeah. the New Bedford Whaling Museum is, is an amazing place if mm -hmm. anybody has the chance to go and finds yeah. themselves in Massachusetts just about an yeah. you know, hour and a half. Well... If there's traffic, it's going to be longer than an hour and a half trip from Boston. Yeah. It's, it's, it's very much so worth going to. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of collections that relate to Alaska. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's, especially after that that time, you know, and again, I can't pinpoint the exact year, but, you know, somewhere in the 1840s and 50s when you see this big transition from whaling going from the Atlantic to the Pacific, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Alaska is kind of you know, ground zero for that, uh, that transformation. Are there any stories or anything shocking that you found in your research relating to... Mm. You know, I, I, I don't know if I'd say shocking, but I do think that there's some, uh, I, the thing that I come back to a lot, and this is really the argument of the, of the book and the project and, and something that I'm always having discussions with uh, around town, is that the, the shocking thing is how maybe not shocking it is. Mm-hmm. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, there is, I think, a sense that people who live up here thinks that, think that Alaska is this totally different place and that it's that nothing is is the same as it is anywhere else and and you know I think that's true in some places particularly like in rural Alaska where you you, you may find some very serious differences with um, you know again the lifestyle subsistence lifestyle in rural Alaska is obviously something that most people in in the lower 48 would not be right. familiar with but you know when we're talking about urban Alaska and specifically Anchorage I mean this is a town that's that's developed in a lot of ways similar to other western cities mm-hmm. it bears the imprint of discrimination and racism much like other western cities mm-hmm. um, it has social problems uh, and dysfunction much like other western right. cities <laughs> and so you know I, I think I'm always pushing back against this narrative that Alaska is this totally unique place kind of outside of Mm -hmm. the history of the United States in general and and what I've found in the archives and again this isn't shocking it's just it's reinforcing the fact that that much of many of the currents of U.S. history Mm -hmm. are very much so applying to Alaska history. Well, I find it really interesting that this is the topic that you're doing Mm -hmm. because we don't see that many researchers in doing Alaska history or African, Anchorage history? Or? African-American history. I mean, yeah. you're, you and your students are probably really the only ones that have come in. Yeah, really which is too bad. I know. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to... Well, you know, I, 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 you can never tell people what they should or shouldn't research, I, yeah. I guess. You know, I mean, that's that's obviously verboten among academics to say, oh, you should... You know, people settle on their own topics for a variety of reasons. But my background is on the, the history of politics and public policy and its intersections with race and identity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I mean, when I was a graduate student, my first book is in many ways similar to this project. I mean, it's not focused on Alaska, but it's but thematically it's mm-hmm. very similar. I mean, you know, the archives that I was working at um, to write on my, on my first book were mostly at the University of Virginia, University of North Carolina, and the National Archives in College Park, Maryland. Um, SUNY Albany, there are a couple other places mm-hmm. that I had to go, but um, but you know, I mean, the this kind of goes back to what the point I just made is that, that you know, again, the the work that I'm doing is is very much so um, transferable. I mm-hmm. mean, it, it there there are all kinds of questions that one can pose about Alaska mm-hmm. that maybe at first glance seem specific to Alaska, but are actually getting at these much bigger issues. Right in U.S. history. I mean, this will sound, I, I don't mean it to sound disparaging or that I don't care about Alaska history because I do. I care deeply about Alaska history. But what I care more about is national history and big trends in national history. So, I mean, you know, the story of Alaska is all well and good, but to me it's more interesting to connect it mm-hmm. to American history. So, you know, like what can we learn? What does what does a history of Anchorage tell us about a history of American cities? Mm-hmm. What does a history of... Um, 
you know, civil rights, be that, you know, kind of Alaska Native civil rights, African-American civil rights, whatever the case is, you know, what does that tell us by understanding that here? How can we understand this bigger picture um, in American history? And so that's what I'm always telling my students, and that's what I'm trying to link the, the project and even the archives here to. Mm-hmm. All right. So I think that's all the questions I have. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, well, no, I, 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 not that I can think of, but thank you for having me on. I, I think this was, it's, it's always fun for me to talk about Alaska history and talk about the value of the archives because you guys do amazing work here. And, uh, and, and you know, the, the, the news today that the university may be facing a budget cut, it's, it's worth reminding people that we, that we do do really important work and the library, any, any, this is, this is what I've been telling people, any thriving city has to have a thriving university. Mm-hmm. Any thriving university has to have a very good library at the heart of it. Mm-hmm. If you you actually don't have a good university if you don't have a good if a good library. Right. Any good library has special collections and archives. <laughs> so it's that kind of it's that that yeah. layer, you know. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. I would like to again thank Ian Hartman for participating in our podcast. For our March episode, we will spotlight three women from our collections in honor of Women's History Month. This is Archiving AK. Thank you for listening.